Hey guys, I have another great interview for you today. I interview a scientist, Laura Marsh, and she is like me, an entrepreneur starting a new organization called Nova Conservation. This is such a great idea. I am so excited about it. There's a Kickstarter launch party on February 1st for it that I'm a part of. So I'm going to put the link in the show notes and I really hope you join me. But this is a really cool idea that she has about how to connect a scientist and non-scientist to real conservation problems. Also ways of generating income into the conservation industry, which is, or the conservation field, which is always strapped for cash. We also talk a lot about experiences in, in wildlife biology and becoming a scientist and how these experiences make it difficult for for people of lower incomes to become a scientist or a wildlife biologist. And before we get started in the interview, I just want to clarify one thing that we talk about. At one point, Laura mentions that you really need to give some volunteer experience before you go into this field. And what she meant by that is that it is extremely, extremely difficult to get a job without any experience, a paid job. So it's not that she's advocating for this at all. We, we, we both agree that we, we don't want that. But just given how saturated the market is, that that employers really want someone with experience. So in the interview, I talk about how you can find this at your college. That's what I did. So you can at least get research credit for it, course credit for it. But she's not saying this is the way it should be. She's saying that this is the way it is. And, and I agree with her. It's, it's extremely difficult to get a job without any experience at all, and you're probably going to have to volunteer to get it, unfortunately. So I just wanted to say that going in, but this is a, a really great conversation, wide-ranging. We talk about internet trolls again at the end. I hope you enjoy it. Before we jump into the episode, are you an aspiring wildlife biologist who is not sure about their career path, or maybe you are sure, but you want to become more competitive for careers? For January only, I am re-releasing my seven steps to find your wildlife biology career path. It is a three-part video series. Video one and two are out. This is completely free. Video one tells you why it's so important for you to understand what your career path is. And this is based on my own 17 years in this experience. And I am extremely vulnerable in this series. I tell you exactly exactly how my experiences played out on the job market. I have been on and off the job market since 2012. So it's very current and I have a lot of different experiences to talk about. The second video, which I released today, is all about the seven steps. What are the seven steps and what you need to do to actually figure out your career path? The third video, which I'm releasing next week, is all about the how, how you can implement these seven steps in your life. So head over to fancyscientist.com. At the top, you will see free training. Make sure to enter your information so you can get this free video series right now. One more final, final thing. I released my Confusion to Clarity course this past December, and I got some feedback from you guys that it just wasn't a good time. And for some of you, it was out of your budget range. 
So I wanted to make this course acceptable, accessible to more people. I also did a gigantic oopsies with my email list. And long story short, there was a conflict in between emails and subscriber confirmation. So people weren't getting the emails about this course, even though they signed up for the video series. So what I'm doing for the rest of January is I am making the recordings of this course available for purchase. And it's going to be for $127. So in December, it did have group coaching and stuff, but it was $4.95. So this is a really big, deep discount. And I'm doing this because this is really all of the, 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 meat and potatoes that I want to give you that you guys need to know before you start this career. So this is for January only. So um, I hope you sign up today to get the help you need. Hi, I'm Dr. Stephanie Shuttler, a wildlife biologist who's learned throughout her career studying animals that science alone cannot save species. We need you. In the Fancy Scientist podcast, you'll learn about fun animals, conservation tips, and science advice, all while breaking stereotypes about what a scientist looks like. Let's get started. Hi, Laura. Welcome to the Fancy Scientist podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. This is really great. So you recently founded or you're, you're launching an organization called Nova Conservation. And if you're on YouTube, you can see she has a Nova Conservation t-shirt on. <laughs> can you tell me about this organization and, and what it is? Sure. So I started this about one year ago, early January, 2020. My initial thought was that I would be a small ecotourism company that is going to try to bring people out to have research expeditions because I'm a biologist and I think people want to have these experiences with nature and wildlife and people are willing to pay for them. So I was initially going to start a small ecotourism company in the southeastern United States region, but then March hit and coronavirus shut everything down. So I had to <laughs> refocus a little bit. And so instead, what I'm doing now is uh, building a global database that connects people of all ages, experience levels to conservation projects across the globe. So instead of me, myself, organizing these trips, I'm trying to reach out and branch and connect with as many nonprofits, NGOs, research institutions, and ethical ecotourism companies and funnel them onto one website, one platform that allows people to easily search for any type of environmental give back project that they want, whether that's an internship, a job, or is a one day beach cleanup or trail maintenance workshop or urban beekeeping learning experience, something like that. Anything that gives back to the planet, no matter your age or experience level or where you are, I want it to be in a one-stop shop location on our site, novaconservation.com. That's awesome. And so this is for scientists and for people who have no experience in science as well. So if somebody like actually one, one, one bit of advice that I give people is because this, this field is a little bit more competitive and, and mm -hmm. salary is an issue. We don't get paid that much. I ask people to consider maybe they really do want to work a more lucrative job and then do conservation in their off time. So this is like, this would be a really great way for, for people to do that. 
Exactly. Yes, there is. There's so much competition in the field, as you know, and <laughs> it's just, it's, it's a shame because it's such a great industry to go in and people who are entering wildlife conservation or wildlife biology are so passionate about it. And we want to keep those people in this field and in this industry. Unfortunately, what happens is they realize there's no not a lot of money to be had, or you have to move constantly, or it's just a hard field to work in. So they end up getting, you know, office jobs or something like that. And that passion kind of dissipates and they feel neglected or abandoned by the (laughs) conservation industry. So this is our way of trying to give back to those people and tell them, hey, even if you're not working full-time in conservation, you can still help out on a weekend, whether you're here in your hometown locally or whether you happen to go on a trip to Florida or Africa even, there are ways to ethically give back to the planet no matter where you are or what stage of life you're in. I love that because really the only experiences I know about right now are citizen science and there, there are some like really amazing citizen science projects out there. Some of them are global, some of them are local, some of them are virtual and then Earthwatch, which is a really cool idea as well. So you go on these research trips, but they're pretty expensive. And, and I know a lot of people can't afford that. And they, and they are, they tend to be in like these really charismatic locations. Although there, there is one, I remember in Coyotes in New York City. So there are some. Oh, that's some, cool. Yeah. Yeah. That one, yeah. I, I read about that in a, cause I was reading Coyote papers and one of the studies that Earthwatch participants took took part in, I think they were collaring and tracking coyotes. I think that was the study in, in Central Park. Oh, that's really neat. I had not heard of that one. Yeah. yeah. Most of the opportunities like Earthwatch that are, exist currently are, are expensive. So we're trying to find that middle ground in between, you know, I want to do something more than just look on an app and help citizen science that way, but I also can't afford the $5,000 experience to Madagascar or something like that. So all sorts of ranges of experiences for anyone we want to have available on our site. Yeah. And that's true for citizen science. It's really hard to find, at least in my experience, it seems hard to find ones where you like it seems like it's really intense where you have to connect with scientists and like really commit and be a volunteer or it's like virtual and then you don't get that in-person research experience as much in exchange with the, the researchers. Right. And that's part of the frustration I've found in as being a biologist. I have two kids and I can't commit to a three month, four month project anymore. Like it's just not in my capacity. So, but I still want to give back to conservation when I travel. So for example, you know, we love national parks. So if I go out to up to Maine and Acadia National Park or somewhere in Utah for one of those national parks, I want to not just go on a hike, but I want to connect with the biologists who are doing work there. I see the national park guides and I see the biologists doing research. And I just, I'm thinking, how can I connect with you. I'm a biologist too. Like I want to help. I don't know how to make that connection. So that's another goal of the site is to help biologists connect with other biologists on an easy platform because there are so many of us out there who would be willing to even pay for an experience that's unlike something we can get. I'm a bird watcher. I'm an ornithologist. So that's my 
um, expertise, but I would love to help out with a salamander project or even tree surveys mm -hmm. or mammal coloring research. And I'm able to pay for those experiences. And I think there are other people out there, not just biologists, but people who want to have these experiences who just don't know about them that are, are willing to pay for those types of experiences. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally would. I remember when I was in Costa Rica, I went as my friends plus one and it was like an all, because it was a wedding. It was like an all-inclusive resort, stuff that like oh, I nice. normally don't do. And we added on a rainforest walk. And I mean, it was nice, but as a scientist, it was really frustrating because mm -hmm you know, you, I kind of knew a lot more, than, not about the local wildlife, but I knew like, you know, how to bird watch and stuff. More. And I wanted to do things that they weren't willing to do on the tour. So like, it would have been great to, to, yeah, sign up for someone who was doing research and I could go through the forest and we could do bird surveys and they would teach me the different calls and things like that. But right. Just a yeah. little bit more than just this kind of touristy experience, yeah. a little bit more involved, a little bit more that gives back to conservation or a little bit more research focus, I think is what we're trying to tap into because there are those touristy, you know, adventures where you're ziplining through the rainforest, but you're not getting to experience the environment and the ecosystems and hear about how it all um, interacts with each other. And I think that's what people want um, a little bit more of to really yeah. connect with the conservation experiences in a beautiful place like Costa Rica. So I know there's a lot of both professional and non-professional experiences out there that people can pay for. Mm -hmm. And some of them, like, like, like I have um, some blog posts about sanctuaries and a lot of sanctuaries do this where, you know, they'll be like, I, I just saw one actually for an elephant sanctuary in South Africa where the tourists can like feed the elephants and interact with the elephants and the elephants mm -hmm. do tricks. And that's, that's not a real mm -hmm. sanctuary. And same thing for ecotourism. There's a lot of uh, like, like swimming with captive dolphins is not a, a good conservation tourism, ecotourism. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even call it ecotourism, but so how, how are you like vetting these organizations or how can people know what's good and what, what's not good? So we hope to be that place on the internet that, mm -hmm. <laughs> that vets everything. So we're looking at every partner and every nonprofit, every sanctuary that claims to be focused on conservation work and make sure that it truly is focused on mm -hmm. conservation work. So I have a team of interns behind me that are doing that due diligence, but it's also up to, you know, it's, it's like a buyer beware type of thing. Like we do our best to vet and make sure that these organizations are held to the highest ethical standards, yet at the same time, we're just a third party that's trying to connect people with them. So mm -hmm. we also encourage people to do their own research as well to make sure that this is a valid organization. So we vet every posting that's on our site and we're currently still in the building stages. So I'm working with now a team of developers to make our site more interactive, more user-friendly, easier for people to post and at the same time, so if you're an organization that's that's verified and ethical, you want to be able to find the right participants for your trip or internship. So it has to be a give and a take type of thing. So we're working on 
sorting out how to make it as easy as possible, but we're still in the growing pains process. Yeah. Um, there are bugs and kinks that we're working out. So if you are interested in looking for an opportunity, I just encourage patients because we are still trying to post and get as much um, traffic as possible and make it as easy as possible for people to find these experiences. And if you're an organization looking to partner with us right now, we're posting, we're allowing organizations that verified and ethical ecotourism companies such as Jenny of the Jungle, who takes amazing trips all the way out to you know the Himalayas and Africa cool. and all sorts of NGOs, small NGOs that we're trying to help out to get those volunteers and to get the internships and interns that they need. We're allowing them to post for free for 2021 and hopefully beyond. This is Nova Conservation is a passion project of mine in the sense that I am kind of paying out of pocket right now for this to build this website. And I want to make it as easy as possible for nonprofits to just find the qualified volunteers and participants I need so they can be freed up to do that conservation work. They don't have to worry about marketing and spending time trying to find all these people or organizations that they're, they're verified. They're, we do that work for you, essentially. And we let people know, hey, this is a good organization. Like the sea turtle conservation research is not, you know, pay to work scheme or a pay to play mm -hmm. type of experience. We do that for them so that um, they can get back to their conservation and saving work. So all that to be said, it's a it's a growing yeah. <laughs> growing organization and we're trying to we're trying to raise some funds to help with that so that's what the kickstarter launches um that we have coming up on february 1st is going to be doing and definitely you'll be participating in that, so, <laughs> so i'm so excited that you're going to be helping with that thank you yeah i'm so happy about that too can you tell us about that event sure so on february 1st at 7 p.m eastern standard time we have six different, well, actually seven, one is a, a couple with LifeNet Nature, seven different conservationists are going to be talking to me 10 minutes each. It's just a really casual, fun event, free. It's going to be on Zoom here. So we'll just, you know, bring a glass of wine or whatever you want. <laughs> and we'll just be talking about what the work you do and the work that we're doing here at, with Nova Conservation to hopefully try to Ignite and raise some funds for the Kickstarter launch. So we're doing a 60-day Kickstarter launch from February 1st to April 3rd. And I am stoked. We have so many great events planned. And I'm hoping that this will change the way people think about conservation in a big way. Yeah, absolutely. And Jesse is also going to be there, Lonely Conservationist. I featured her two podcasts ago. So if you enjoyed that interview, um, definitely come on this event and you'll be able to chat with her. I enjoyed that interview. I listened to that. I, like, <laughs> I get to talk to both of you guys. And yeah. Wesley Larson, Grizz Kid, will be the guest speaker at the end of the event. Oh, well. okay. So I'm really excited to meet him and talk to him and hear about his fair biology research and oh, cool. big, well-known conservationist in the industry. So it's going to be a really great we're calling it Conservation Hot Shots <laughs> event where lots of people are coming. And I hope you guys will all tune in and join us as well. Yeah. 
And so can you tell us about your background leading up to Nova Conservation? So you, you are a scientist. Can you tell us mm-hmm. about like how you, your journey to become a scientist and some of the research mm-hmm. that you've done before? Sure. So I am here in Tennessee. I went to undergrad at UT University of Tennessee in Knoxville, and I got my master's in Chattanooga in environmental science. I did my thesis on orna- in ornithology. I studied birds and looking at the bird, basically their body mass index to see if people on trails had an effect on body mass index of birds, specifically neotropical migrants, and they did. But interestingly enough, this is not what I wanted to focus on, but I think it's an interesting note that the resident species of birds, so birds are here year round in the southeastern United States, such as cardinals, chickadees, titmice, they were in better condition, better energetic condition near people on trails than away from trails. So they must have been accustomed to finding different food resources. Yeah, I wonder if that's it. Yeah. And, you know, people are like, well, people can feed birds. And I'm like, well, people don't, you know, cardinals won't eat Cheetos. So it's not necessarily bird (laughs) human food that they're eating. So um, they're just more accustomed, acclimated to people on trails. So I have a very sciencey mind. I'm constantly thinking of science questions. And I, I, I considered seriously getting a PhD. And the reason I chose not to is because, first of all, I couldn't figure out, think of one project I wanted to focus on. I'd studied cerulean warblers. I've studied yellow-billed cuckoos. I've worked with the Smithsonian Migratory Bird Research Center. I've worked with all sorts of different organizations and universities, Cornell University, all, all over the country. And I could not just pick one project to focus on. And I know that the funding is so limited still for yeah. academics. And I I think ultimately I just didn't want to be clawing my way to get grant funding and to get an academic mm-hmm. position and 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 go through the publish or perish type of mentality. Academia is not my interest, my main interest with conservation. So deciding not to do a PhD was a good decision for me, not for everyone, but I knew that it freed up, you know, some resources for other people to find grant grant money or not take a job away from someone who really, really wanted it. I just didn't want it bad enough. So I also considered, you know, starting my own nonprofit and the reason I didn't go the nonprofit route, which a lot of people think Nova Conservation is a nonprofit and it is currently not. We hope to have a nonprofit arm eventually and I'll explain that mm-hmm. probably in a little bit. But I, there's already so many nonprofits out there, conservation related and environmental related. That yeah. I, I didn't wanna have to, again, scrap and fight for funding, for grants, for, donations for just doing everything in your power to try to raise money. I think there is a unique way that the planet can be, I, I don't want to use the word capitalism because it's, it, I'm not, I mean, that's a different story. You'd say business maybe? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because there are so many great, interesting things that nature provides to us that can be tapped into in a unique way. We just have to think about it a little bit differently. So for example, I was on the, some of the Facebook 
forums and one of the organizations in Costa Rica, one of the sea turtle conservation research institutions was posting, hey, we have a volunteer position, you work for us, but you pay $15 a day. So I think that's a great deal to go to, com to, go to Costa Rica and only pay $15 for food and lodging and an experience with sea turtles. And there were uh, these conservationists who were saying, that's, you're, you're abusing the system, you're taking advantage of people, why would we pay to work for you? And the person who was posting said, I, conservation does not have a product that you can offer really, except for experiences. And I was like, that's it. If we can tap into how to offer experiences in an ethical way, mm -hmm. in a sustainable way, that's not harming the animals, but it's giving people who are not necessarily biologists, but kind of want to are interested in biology, that experience to go see sea turtles and hear about their conservation efforts and they pay for that experience, that's how we can turn conservation into a sustainable resource that brings mm -hmm. money into this industry because it's already just so strapped for cash. People yeah. are way more interested in, in watching the Kardashians on TV than they are about caring for our planet because that the, the TV and the, the Snapchats and the, all the things that grab our attention on screens have the marketing resources to do that. Conservation doesn't have the marketing resources to do that. And so I'm hoping to kind of just redirect a little bit of the focus of people to maybe do something that's more related to the environment and really a unique, cool experience that they're willing to pay for so that the agencies and the nonprofits can get the help they need. And the biologists who are trained don't have to be paying for these experiences at the same time. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think that our model is maybe not broken, but it's not, it's not good. If you, if you need to get money to fund a research project, you pretty much have to go through the government mm -hmm. or like zoos, but those projects are, those funds are national geographic. They're in the tens right. of thousands of dollars. They're not in, like, if you apply for national science foundation grants, you can get millions of dollars, but they don't care about conservation. They care about scientific theory. Mm -hmm. And you can sometimes frame conservation projects into scientific theory, but there's a lot that you just need, like for elephants, you need boots on the ground. You need range to protect and yes. National Science Foundation is not going to pay for for something like that. And I think I think conservationists and scientists should stop being so scared of business. Like I'm I'm a business too and mm -hmm. I I want to make money because <laughs> I want to I want to employ people in this field and I want to spread right. messages of conservation and right. education. And I, my plan is to create, or I have been creating products for, for aspiring wildlife biologists, but I also want to create products for um, parents. That's something I have out this, or I'm going to have out this spring, like science <laughs> activities based on wildlife and conservation for their kids. And mm -hmm. yeah, I agree. There's too many nonprofits. And I think that we should be, I, I, I always believe in supporting businesses that do good. So I try to mm -hmm. buy from like certified B corporations and more sustainable clothes and things like that. So right. yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that scientists need to tap into that, to that more and embrace mm -hmm. getting paid. 
<laughs> or asking for, or, or putting out services to make money. Now where this does get tricky is, and I've talked about this in some other podcasts, is that when you need experience to go into this field and a lot of these internships, like including reputable organizations, these major nonprofits. And if you listen to, there's a Marine Science Happy Hour podcast where they've worked for some of these nonprofits, but they can't pay the interns because you know, like you said, conservation is strapped for cash. So that is, that is tricky and you need those ex- the experience to get the job. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, or like, if you're not allowing for like free internships, but personally, I think that it, the, the change has to, yes, the change can happen within institutions too. But I think that when like professors and, and employers receive resumes, they need to, I think they need to consider that in the application, like who, who's getting paid and who's not. And is that why they have more experience? Yeah. It's, it's a multifaceted, very complicated issue. And I actually listened to your interview with Stephanie Martin. Yeah. And I, I thought it was just really great. And I actually reached out to her. So we're going to hopefully talk soon, but there was, you had a discussion about this, these barriers to getting into the conservation field and how if you don't have money or if you don't have a support system, like I know you have a husband who's an engineer, is that correct? Mm-hmm. I have a husband who can like sustain us. So if you don't have that family or partner support system, that is really, really difficult. So I, I, I wanna say I have a solution, but mm-hmm. I, I hope that it will become more feasible. So first of all, it is bringing people who are are able to and are willing to pay into the these experiences. Right. So like I like I said, I think we just need to market to people who are, you know, baby boomers who want to mm-hmm. help conservation projects and are willing to pay 50, 100 more for just a, a weekend experience with a biologist doing right. interesting thing, things in the field. I think that could be a way that we're just getting a little bit more income. And if you make it in such a way, it can be really um, productive and lucrative. But I hate to use the word lucrative. I am not a Oh, that's a bad word because I'm like, oh, lucrative. But, uh, but as a conservationist, I don't think it's a bad word. (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't think it's a bad word. I think, I think, I don't know. I personally think we should want to make money because, like, not necessarily to be greedy people, but like I said, you can't grow a business. And and when I I work with Wildlife Insights, which is like our whole goal is to have this system where people can like automatically update or upload photos and uses AI to automatically identify the species and this to create the system, honestly, you know, we would love like a million dollars that would make it fast, efficient. We get the AI going really well. It is going, but like for better for species and this stuff costs money. And, Mm -hmm. and that's where I think, yeah. Like, like if you think of the tech world, we can do so much with tech, but when it comes Mm -hmm. to conservation and tech, we're still lagging and it's because Mm -hmm. of money. It's always, it's always about money. And that's why I started this is to hopefully bring some economic streams to conservation. And that's just what I keep coming back to is I, I'm not getting paid. Other people I know who are very well qualified, aren't getting paid. People who want to break into the environmental field 
aren't getting paid. And so we just need a, a way to get money funneled into the conservation field and in a more sustainable, easy to use system and platform. And that's where I'm hoping Nova Conservation will kind of find that unique niche there. You had asked another, oh, the barriers and the, the internships for free. It's, it's a lose-lose situation right now. I think, yeah. Well, go ahead. I'm just going to say that for people who volunteer, I do agree with you. You need some experience. It would be, it's extremely hard to get a first job without any experience. So (laughs) what people can do is when they're in college, they can volunteer with a lab and you can get college credit for that. That's what I did. So it counts as one of your courses and yes, you don't get paid, but you're, it's, you know, considered a part of your academic work. And you can also look into work study programs at your university too. I wasn't sure if ours had it, but at, at NC State, we, we take NC State students at the museum and they had work study programs. So they would, they would do research in our lab, just like other unpaid interns or other volunteers, but they would, uh, I think it counted for course credit too, and they got paid for it. So those are some options if you're a student out there and, and really facing this barrier. That's ideal uh, to get some course credit. Yeah, that's. I mean, ideally, everyone would get paid, and we'd all have right. I know <laughs> conservation wouldn't be struggling for cash, but that's to get course credit is a good, a good in between for right now. That as and I we think are trying to figure this out. <laughs> having these conversations too out in the open is important. That. I think, I don't know if it's percolating up to the organizations yet, but it's, it's definitely on people's radar for, Mm -hmm. for example, I saw a post shared a a tweet. Yeah. Sharing a a job post that was unpaid Mm -hmm. and it was for a journal as like a blogger and social media person for, I think it was 20 hours a week. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people like shamed <laughs> that that that, tw- that tweet maybe not the company but well I guess the company yeah I guess I think it was the original tweet from the mm-hmm. no actually maybe somebody shared it from the post so I'm not sure if they knew about it or not but anyway I think it's I think this is something and especially after the Black Lives Matter movement and the the Black Birders Week and the Black Mammalogist Week, I think now people are starting to realize, oh yeah, this is why we have such a diversity problem in this field, because you have to have a certain level of financial comfort to go into it. Yes, it is. It is a huge barrier and it is such a shame that you have to pay or have to work for free to be in this industry. I, and I mean, I can talk about solutions all day long, but one of the things, <laughs> one of the things I hope Nova Conservation will do is have a foundation and provide scholarships for especially people of low income, mm-hmm. socioeconomic status, especially minorities and black indigenous people of color, mm-hmm. all sorts of diversity communities to make it, make it as integral. I mean, when you think about ecosystems, if you have a forest with the same tree, that's a, that's homogeny. That's, that's what we're getting in the wildlife biology community and industry is Mm -hmm. just the same. Like I'm white, you're white, but it's just the same thing over and over again. That doesn't lead to good ecosystem diversity or health of an, an industry. So we want to be as diverse and 
biodiverse as possible. So having scholarships and opportunities for people to break into the industry is extremely, extremely important. That's great. And I just want to add to for in case this is your first time listening um, for the podcast viewers or listeners <laughs> that a lot of these organizations or most of these organizations are not like inherently evil, like looking mm-hmm. to take advantage of people. It's that like this happened to me in my postdoc, I had all this work to do and people would email me asking if they could help out. And I, I encourage students that I work with too, like see if you can get some research experience that way. And it's hard as a scientist because I have applied for funding to pay for these students. And like you said, grants are so competitive. So I don't get that funding. A lot of grants don't like to pay for salaries either. Mm-hmm. So So it's difficult. And then when you have somebody who is like really eager and they're like, I want to learn about camera traps. Can I help you out? It's really hard to turn them down. And yeah, I understand it perpetuates the system. It's a difficult, it's difficult on both sides. I just don't want people to think like scientists are in these conservation organizations are evil and purposely exploiting people. (laughs) Right. No. Yeah. That's a good thing to point out. I mean, even with Nova Conservation, I have a team of interns behind me and they, I cannot pay them right now. I cannot pay myself right now Yeah. because we're like, I don't have a source of income yet to bring around. So I get it. (laughs) It's, there's no one size fits all solution. I want to be able to pay them. I want to, I'm paying a few people, like I said, out of pocket, but I, I, there's just not enough resources to go around. If we can by any means make conservation more of an experience-based, still ethical Mm-hmm. always ethical, always animals first, always ecosystems and people to the highest regard. But to get some funding from those who are able to pay for it to help even out and distribute the the economic stream for the rest of us and especially minorities, especially. Yeah. So that's my utopian solution (laughs) in the in a perfect world but things aren't things don't always work out that way so we'll see we'll see what happens (laughs) but you're you're working yeah and you're working towards making it better and vetted and everything and you I think the last we chatted before and I think the last time you talked you said people can like if they have a bad experience they can submit anonymously Mm -hmm. or I guess anonymously or not anonymously to you because these some of these research positions with professors like you don't find out until you get there that mm-hmm. maybe you're not maybe you are getting paid but you're not being treated the best or w- overworked and things like that mm-hmm. abuse is all too common yeah and so it's just transparency and it's holding people accountable and it's calling out injustices as we see it but also helping those those small organizations or those researchers who are doing really good work, who are wanting to change and bring conservation to a new light and aren't aren't abusing their students or aren't Mm -hmm. taking advantage of the free interns, for those people to be brought to light too and see this is is a really good organization and here's why you should work for them. 
and pay and possibly pay for an experience, which is, you know, one of our um, partners is LifeNet Nature. And I'll be talking at the February 1st Kickstarter launch. Mm -hmm. And they have programs in Ecuador and they have programs in Kenya. And they just don't have the marketing resources to tell people, hey, this is really great work that we're doing. We're trying to support local indigenous people too. And we're trying to give back to the research and conservation and all of these experiences, but we need you to pay for this experience too. You get X, but we get Y. And so it's a give, give situation. So people who are able to pay for those experiences get an awesome opportunity to work with locals, to see nature up close in a unique way. And then the nonprofit that is doing the work gets conservation, hands-on work and helps the planet and helps the locals. So it's just, yeah, I just, <laughs> I can just see it's such a beautiful way of bringing this all together. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's a great idea. I've, like I said, I've loved Earthwatch. And the only, or the big criticism I have, or not a big criticism, but the downfall is a lot of the programs are expensive. And they're mm-hmm. also like mm-hmm. like two week long expeditions. And this, you're giving a, a balance of different experiences, like a weekend mm-hmm. event or something like that. Mm-hmm. So yes. where does the the name, so your, your name is Nova and mm-hmm. you have a buffalo, a bison on your symbol. Can you talk about where the name and why you chose a, a bison for your symbol? <laughs> sure. So I... Nova doesn't have a meaning or anything. I was literally on a hike in Shenandoah National Park. I was pregnant with my second one and we were walking and I'm just thinking about all these things I want to do, you know, once the baby's born and how to start this organization, this business, I'm not sure what to call it. And it just hit me. I was like, Nova Conservation. It just sounded right. And I can't, I don't have a reason. Maybe, maybe because I was in Northern Virginia. So it was Nova. I, I, I'm not, <laughs> I don't know. Oh yeah, know. that makes isn't sense. That, isn't that interesting how it just, so I don't have a story, uh, like a great story behind that, except that I just really liked it. And then the bison, I was designing a logo on a free, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. And I know that you are also from Buffalo, New York, and I am yeah. from Buffalo, New York. And Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot yep. that. Yep. And I saw this and I just really liked the style. Now, I, I, I was hesitant because I was like, we don't do anything with bisons. And again, this was going to be an ecotourism company at first. And I was going to yeah. just be doing you know, bird research. So I thought it would be maybe bird related or something like that. And I said, nope, I like this. But I think it symbolizes strength and you know, it got my roots from Buffalo, yeah. um, even though it's a bison. But I think it symbolizes the strength and the fortitude that we can have if we kind of band together and help protect our planet. And really just as a community, as a wildlife biology community, we can make a huge difference in Mm -hmm. this industry and the future for conservation, for the planet, for the animals and for all living beings. Yeah. I just, I just love the way it looks. And I said, sign me up. So that's, that's the, that's the symbol we're sticking with. Yeah. I love Canva. That's where I make all my graphics from. And someone on Twitter, I have these like these palm oil trolls that took me because <laughs> I advocate for sustainable palm oil. And one of them was like, well, maybe you should be spending more time on research and less on your graphics. And I was like, well, it's easy with Canva. It only takes me like <laughs> three minutes, maybe more than that, five minutes to make a graphic. But 
it's something I like to do when I am watching my guilty pleasures, like the Kardashians. They're being canceled now. (laughs) They're not canceled, but I guess the show is finished. Yeah, this is the last season. That's okay. Yeah, I guess there's gonna be something else that takes us. (laughs) My guilty pleasure lately has been America's Next Top Model. I don't know why. There's there's no new episodes out though, right? No, no, I'm I've just yeah. Oh, I love that show. No, that's totally, I love that show. I've seen them all. <laughs> I love Tyra. So, yeah, so, but I was going to say something else when you were talking about, oh, the other oh, trolls and the internet trolls. That's another thing that I wanted to talk about is just how I know we're probably running low on time and I, I could. Do- it's okay. I, I have as much time. If you have time, I can talk about it. I, the, and this is another thing I, I want to change is like the, nasty memes and the nasty messages on internet on the internet it's just so easy to anonymously or not anonymously criticize other people or cancel culture or whatever Mm -hmm. and I just think we could maybe work a little bit to bridge the gap of hey let's like learn from the nuances of someone else's experience instead of just immediately assuming oh you support Biden or oh you support Trump you must be Mm -hmm. evil or whatever it might be and that that's a whole nother discussion. Oh, you support sustainable palm oil? You're obviously evil. <laughs> yeah. No. So there's just, there's way too many nuances in, in that to just have a blanket statement on the internet. And that's why kind of, even as I'm talking about some of this stuff, like internships and working for free and pay to work schemes and elitist schemes, I am, I don't, I don't like being on the internet because I just see the negative comments and and it, it kind of scares me. It scares me away from taking a stance over something because I know I, you know, people get just hammered with. I think it depends on what you put out. I actually, I hardly have any negative comments except for those, those palm oil people who are real. And it's, it's really strange. So if, for, the, for those who are new to this, I I found out that it's better from experts from from scientists that like the IUCN have studied this. It's better to support sustainable palm oil than than palm oil, which both destroy habitat for orangutans and other species. Mm. So neither is perfect, but palm oil is in everything. And if we just all of a sudden stop palm oil. And then, then people in that, those areas, they're not just going to stop production and let the forest regrow. They're going to find something else to make money. And they're, and they're still going to turn to that, that primary forest to, to try to make money unless something else is in place. And other vegetable oils, they actually take up more acreage than palm oil. So, so the IUCN is basically saying that like, if everyone boycotts palm oil and it goes away, and these other oils take place, it could make it worse. So, so yeah, and I was originally engaging with, with these people to try to get them to see that, like, look, we're on the same page. We all want to protect the orangutans and their habitat. But the reality of the situation is that if you do one thing, this other thing is likely going to happen, which is less ideal. So you're, right. you're, you're picking between two bad things. And that's unfortunately how conservation often feels is you either work for free or you support, you know, you don't work in the industry at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and so we're just, and maybe, you know, eventually down the road, there can be some kind of ethical ecotourism opportunity in those kind of Madagascar or wherever that's Mm -hmm. cutting down rainforests. Well, not Madagascar because they don't have orangutans, but it's cutting down the rainforest to 
plant palm oil and there can be some kind of solution that's sustainable for the environment and right and the people the indigenous people so that they get a job and that the people who have money in capitalist western societies are still able to help pay for and support Mm -hmm. so again utopian like I, i i see it there's a way to win it just is hard to get there Yeah. I mean, it's just really easy to say from like over here in the United States, like you should stop cutting down the forest. But when you go on the the ground and the reality and you see all these people and they need jobs and like I said, just Mm -hmm. overturning the structure, it's, it's not as, it's not as easy as, as it looks. And if you, if you do something that upsets a local community, they can retaliate like in, like in Kenya, in one of the parks, they took away their water, this, this access to swamps to, to water their cattle, and they started spearing rhinos. So, so yeah, you have Thanks. to, it's conservation. And this is why I switched to this field because conservation, what I've realized over my experiences in wildlife biology is that so many of like, I would say 99% of the problems are people and not the animals. And if you just leave the animals or the ecosystems alone, you know, they'll bounce back. Like elephants mm-hmm. will, will bounce back on their own. And, and yes, there are situations like the Sumatran rhino that needs like in-depth conservation, reproductive biology studies to, to try to repopulate that species. But for so many, it's just like, stop the habitat loss and stop the poaching and they'll, they'll be fine. That's mm-hmm. not to say we don't need management or anything, but just mm-hmm. that it, it will reduce the threat. Right. Yeah. And that, that can also kind of lead to another topic, which we can get into maybe another podcast time, but it's just like the environmental guilt of like, I have two kids and I, yeah. I know that I know that having less people on the planet is good for the planet. And the more people we have, especially in Western societies and these like where we're buying huge houses and driving everywhere. That's, yeah. I feel that weight of environmental guilt too. And so uh, it, there's, <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, we can have you back on, on to talk about <laughs> that. I'd love to have you back. Greenwashing is something else I want to talk about too. So many good topics to dive yeah. into. But so it's been great having you on and I will link up all your, your social media and everything in the show notes. Do you have any like last words or last thing you want to say before we end this interview? Yes. I just, I took a few notes and I just started where the burden should fall. So the burden of conservation and paying for these experiences should not fall on the people who are really trying to break into the industry, especially if you're a minority, especially if you come from low income whatever households, socioeconomic status, mm-hmm. the burden should be falling on the people who are able to pay for it, especially these large corporations. Yeah. So I think ultimately that's like the final word I, I have is what we hope to do through Nova Conservation is to not, to, to kind of right the wrongs in a sense of mm-hmm. helping the small guy get the help that they need to do their conservation work and kind of, you know, not let larger corporations take advantage of people in the way that they have been, especially for young professionals and young biologists. And just tap into the resources that exist out there mm-hmm. um, for people to be able to help conservation by bringing an economic stream to these experiences. And we we do need, though, 
financial support to help get off the ground. So again, if you are able, I'm talking to you because I know Stephanie, you're already going to be there and I cannot (laughs) wait to talk to you more, but if you're able to join us February 1st for our Kickstarter launch party, it's going to be really fun. There'll be a time to just ask a few questions and get to know some conservationists and hear their stories. And I cannot wait to see you there. And I can't wait to talk to you again more, Stephanie. It was so great. This is great. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. That was such a fun interview, and I will definitely have to have her back to talk about perhaps environmental guilt. That is a good topic. So you can find at Nova Conservation at novaconservation.com, on Instagram at Nova underscore conservation, and Twitter at Nova underscore conserve without the E. And I will put all the links in the show notes, which is on my on my website, Fancy Science scientist.com. Just look under podcast. You'll see all the podcast episodes. And I'm going to put links to every single thing that we talked about. So the palm oil stuff. I have a podcast about talking about grants and how science works. We talked about uh, sanctuaries. We talked about a lot of good stuff. Finally, you heard in the beginning that I am launching my video series again for January only. I am also re-releasing my Confusion to Clarity program recordings. So I heard feedback from you guys that December was really hard for you. Some of you were taking finals. You just didn't have the time to do it. So I'm releasing the recordings. You can do them on your own time. These are, it's, it's four webinars going over research, career places, career types, and bringing it all together. And this comes with a workbook that will help you figure out your career path. Even if you know what you want to be, this will help you really clarify it and make it more competitive. Because if you say you want to be a wildlife biologist, that's super general. You got to get narrow because wildlife wildlife biologists, their experiences, requirements, it is different for different workplaces, um, different levels of education. So make sure you take the time to invest in yourself and get on the right track. If you liked this episode, care about wildlife, care about conservation, or know somebody who is interested in going into wildlife biology careers, please share this episode. You can also rate and review my podcast that really helps people find it. My goal is to spread messages of conservation and kindness for wildlife and to help people navigate wildlife biology careers. Rating and reviewing my podcast really helps other people find it. If you have questions or show ideas, you can find me at fancyscientist.com. My social media handles are at fancyscientist. On Instagram, there's an underscore between fancy and scientist. You can also send an email to hello at fancyscientist.com. If you're an aspiring wildlife biologist, ecologist, or zoologist, you can join me every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Facebook Live, where I answer different career questions. You can also ask me questions on the spot. I'm here for you. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. I am so grateful for you. I hope you have an amazing day. Be kind to animals and be kind to each other.